I think of a lot of children who have negative and difficult words spoke to them. And then we wonder why they grow up to be wind up in jail, on drugs. A lot of that comes from the words that we speak to them when they're children. I've heard parents say, I will be so glad when my son or daughter gets 18 years old because I'm kicking them out of the house. That is a very disappointing to a teenager. I've heard parents say, you're so stupid you'll never amount to anything. That's damaging. That is extremely damaging. Now there's other words that you are so smart. I'm so proud of you. Even if they're getting C's on their report cards. Even if they're having difficulties with getting some other things done. You're so good. I just love you. Amen. You're beautiful. You're handsome. Well, maybe they're ugly. But you can still tell them that they're beautiful to you because beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Amen. Words. They are both uplifting and they are both tearing down. Jesus tells us a little bit about words in Matthew 12. 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and the fruit good, or else make the fruit of the tree bad and its fruit bad. Do one or the other. Don't stick in the middle. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers. That's snakes, by the way. How can you, being evil, speak good things? From out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, or words come out. A good man out of the goodness of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasures brings evil things. In verse 36, Yeshua said, But I say to you, now this is where it gets kind of important when Yeshua is saying to you, I say to you, that every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Idle. Every idle word. I have two definitions for you this morning. The first one comes from Strong's. And Strong says it's useless. Lazy, slow, barren, and barren means it doesn't bear anything. It just it doesn't do any good. Careless and ineffective. Thayer's Bible Dictionary says, without work, without labor, at leisure, inactive, lazy, shunning the labor which one ought to be doing, Gluttons. Now, I thought that was pretty interesting to hit in there in idols, in idleness. Gluttons. Things from which no profit is derived, although they can and ought to be productive. Slow, tardy, and sluggish. 
That's what Yeshua said, that we're going to give account for all of those words like that. We as, as Christians sometimes, I, I, um, I don't know if this is a, 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 the right term for it or not, but we Christians sometimes want to tell just kind of not dirty jokes, but almost dirty jokes. They're kind of uh, halfway. Well, I, I think Yeshua is going to say if they're halfway, they're probably not really halfway, they're the other way. We don't need to be telling these sly jerk jokes. We don't need to be talking anything about, uh, 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 come on, or I'll get your mind, about uh, when you're not like somebody, when you're discrediting, still not the right word. Discriminating, there's the word. We need to be cautious in the discriminating words that we call, we say. And by the way, discriminating words does not just mean race or color. You can discriminate a person because they're too fat. You can discriminate a person because they're too skinny. You can uh, 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 discriminate against a person because they're just not like you. Well, you know, we don't need any of those things. Those are idle words. Those are uh, discolored jokes or just a little bit of off-color things. And God isn't pleased with that because he made every individual that there is in the world. He made you just the way you are. You are a, a particular person that Yeshua has made just for you. You are precious in his sight. And if you are precious in the sight, how do we as men, how do we dare put down or bring down the creation that God has made and that he is extremely in love with? Now, I, I, I don't know exactly how I was going to work, but I do believe that the, the Lord put this in my heart. I believe he, he created me with that. Uh, I, there's a lot of times I just won't take that. When I hear somebody putting somebody else down, I just can't keep my mouth shut. I have to stick in there and defend or say something for that individual that's being picked on. And I've been that way even before I was a Christian. So that's not just the things of the Lord. But I believe that's the same thing that the Lord would like to do. And he is because he said right here, you're gonna, I'm going to give account for every idle word that you say. So we need to be very cautious with that, and we need to be pick our words very carefully. It is also very interesting here, what Yeshua said, that it's up to us whether or not we have a good tree with good fruit or a bad tree with bad fruit. We make the choice, and then we work toward that. We believe, I believe that we are saved instantly, our spirit is saved as much as it's ever going to be saved when you ask the Lord to come into your heart. But this old soul of ours, the, the mind, will, and the emotion, we're going to work on that until the day we die. We're not going to get that completed until we're in the presence of the Lord. So we need to work on all of these things that we're talking about and working on making the fruit tree good. Now, I'm not a farmer. As a matter of fact, I have a difficult time of growing anything. Uh, it, it seems like it can be doing perfectly fine, but if I try to uh, replant it or if I try to trim it or if I try to do something with it, it's dead the next morning. It, it just, uh, I, I can't do any of that stuff. But I can work on my spiritual man on the fruit that I have. It's up to us how we prune it. It's up to us how we dig around the roots and put some fertilizer in there or put something in there for the plant to grow. We design and we make our tree. That's what Jesus said. He said, it's up to us what we're going to do. He gave us a choice. And the choice should be that we're going to be a good tree bearing good fruit. 
But in order to do that, we have to uh, 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 be grafted into a good vine that's got good soil. And Yeshua is the vine. And if we're grafted into him, then we're his. We're grafted into a good vine. We're grafted into a good soul. So if we'll follow that, then we will have good fruit. But it depends a lot on the words that we say. Now, we're going to be looking at a lot of different words uh, this morning. In, in scriptural words, and we're going to be looking at the difference in how we say things and how the outcome can be. Now, we're going to begin in the beginning in Genesis 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 33. I'm not going to read that. I'm not going to read any of that. We're going to talk about it. Everything that God needed to create the world as we know it today was already in place. It already existed. It was there. It just didn't have a great deal of a form to it. And God began to change that by his words. Ten times, the, 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 um, God said in Genesis 1 through, 1 through 33, ten times God said, or Yahweh said. So everything was already there, but it was just there. But when God spoke, something happened. When he said, I'm going to create the heavens, I'm going to create the water and the earth and separate all of these things, every one of those things began to do exactly as he said. We as individuals, and sometimes I just, I, 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 obviously I can't figure out God. I don't have the mentality to do that. But I think if I was going to be God, I wouldn't have given a man the choice to, to decide what they're going to do. I wouldn't have given him the opportunity. I would have said, I created you and you're going to serve me. You're going to worship me. I'm going to love you. I'm going to do all these things. But you see, God gave us that choice. But he desires for us to do as he said. When he made man and become a, a mirror image of him, we know that it was the desire of the Father for man, for Adam, to create a similar aspect on earth that it was in heaven. And Adam blew it. But nonetheless, he still yet gave him chances. And then, of course, Yeshua came by uh, about 4,000 years later. And here we are Christians because of Yeshua's work that he did. But it all happened when God said. God created everything that was created. And he intended for man. Now, I... I know that we're limited on our creativeness, but we do have the creative power. If we don't think men have the creative power, what about the car that you're driving? What about the air conditioning that works in your house? This is something that God put in the heart of a man to learn how to make that car, to make that air conditioning, to make the piano, to make all of these things that we have. God put that in man's heart to know how to do it. It came from the Father. It was his design and his desire to make us as men do the things that he wanted to do. We do have a limited amount of creativity. Some have more creativity than others. I'm doing good to draw a straight line. And other people can take a pencil or a, a piece of paper and, and a crayon or something. And in a very short time, they have developed a beautiful picture. They created that picture. It wasn't there before. Nobody else made it. They created that. And it came from the creativity that is in us that came from God. So we see the creativity. And I do believe that we can create good things if we will follow the direction of the Lord and pay attention to the words that comes out of our mouth. I, I believe that the words are very strong. I, I believe that we need to pay close attention to them. I believe that Satan hears every word that we say. 
It's one of the reasons why we need to speak in tongues. Hallelujah. He ain't got that one figured out. Hallelujah. Because my Bible tells me that when we're speaking in tongues, my spirit and my soul is in direct contact with God, and Satan can't interfere with that. So we need to have that. But Satan can hear our words. We look at the life of Job. And what does the Bible what does it say about Job? The thing that I feared has come upon me. He, he thought and thought and thought and thought this was going to be on. There's an old story. It probably isn't true, but it's a story. And it may be true. It could be. But my dad told it a long time ago, so it, it's uh, still a story. And it's a story about a man that uh, was arriving out in the country and on a dark night, and all of a sudden he ran out of gas. And when you run out of gas, you don't go anywhere. So he turned the lights off and only to realize that there was total darkness around him. But he stumbled around and got the gas can out of the back of the trunk of the car and started walking down the road. And way up the road there, he saw a little light and there's just a, a flicker of a light way up there. And he began a discussion in himself as he began to walk to the house. The first discussion is, oh, it's going to be so good. Those people are going to be nice. They're going to give me a gallon of gas, and, and I can get to where I'm going. And then all of a sudden, he said, well, why would those people give me a gallon of gas? They're not going to do anything. They aren't going to help me. And he went on like that all the way till they got there, debating amongst himself. They're going to help me. They aren't going to help me. They're going to help me. They aren't going to help me. And finally, he gets there and knocks on the door, and the man comes to the door. And he says, well, just keep your old gas. I didn't want it anyway. So this is what happens when we talk to ourselves. This is what happens when we debate ourselves. Satan can hear what we're saying and he can make those things. Now, I'm not going to say this to, to embarrass my wife because I wouldn't do that or anything. And she stopped it. Hallelujah. But a few months ago, she would say things like, I'm so stupid, I'm so crazy, I'm, I, I can't remember anything. And I kept on harping her, harping her, you can't say that, don't say that, because the devil's saying, hearing you, don't say those things. And finally, thank God, she hasn't said those things in a long time. And I will tell you, even though we're not there, she is better than she used to be. Hallelujah. You see, we have to pay attention to what we're saying. Don't give the devil any more equipment than he already has. We can be, we can, no, we can do that right here in the church. Oh, we're just a little bitty church struggling to get by. Well, heaven help us. Okay, so we, I'm a realist. I realize that we're a small church. But there's no point going around telling everybody that we're a small church. Because if we keep on saying we're a small church, we will remain a small church. If we don't, if we will stop and change things that need to be changed. And that begins with our words. If we'll begin to change the things that need to be changed, God will be able to do what he wants to do in order to cause this place to grow. It can't grow from us because the Bible said, unless the master builds a house, they who labor, labor in vain. I'm getting too old and too lazy to labor in vain. We've got to figure out how to work smart, not smarter, not harder. I've already done the harder stuff and that don't work. I'm old and beat up for it. Somebody once said, if I'd have known I was going to live this long, I'd have took better care of myself. And that kind of fits me because I got some aches and pains that I caused me for years of mistreating this body and doing things that I shouldn't be doing. So the spoken word then is God said 10 times in the, in the first chapter of Genesis, God said, we need to understand that when God says something, he says something good. Even in Yeshua's word in Matthew, when he said, in every idle word, man shall give account for it, even that is good. Because guess what? When you give praise on words, when you use words or are, 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 are good words, you're going to get praise for that too. 
So I'm looking forward. Yeah, there's probably some idle words that I may have spoken, but there's been a whole lot more than a positive word. I don't like being around positive people, negative people. When they start getting negative, I start looking for a door to get out of there. I, I just don't want to be there because I know that if I'm not careful, that, that negativity can rub off on me, and I don't want none of it. I've had people pray over, over me, and, and, and because of the situations that need to be taken, I would just say, well, you're praying, but I ain't receiving. Hallelujah. So, Lord, they're praying, but I'm not going to take part of that because the prayer that they're praying is not a prayer of the Lord. It's a prayer of themselves. And I'm not interested in the prayer of somebody else uh, just by, by themselves. I'm interested in the prayer that is coming from the throne room of God. I'm interested in the prayer that is going to make a difference and a change in my life. Now, Proverbs 23, verse 6 and 7, Solomon said, Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. In verse 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. He said, Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If we continually put ourselves down, then it won't be long that we're going to have other people joining us because we have created the image and they see the image and they get there. So we have to start thinking of the, the way God sees us. How does God see us? What does he say about it? I know the thoughts I have for you. Thoughts of good and not evil. Thoughts of prosperity. Thoughts of all the things that are good for you. So we have to change our thinking. We've got to get to the point to where we're not just using words and, and not using words that is going to put us down or our family or hinder each other. We need to find those words that are praising the Lord, glorifying God. The words that God would have us say in order to go better and do better than he is. So what are you thinking about yourself? How, how do you really feel about yourself? Do, do you think that you're a nothing? Do you think that, you know... Some, some people say, well, you know, that, that God made us and, 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 and we can't change ourselves. Well, God did make us and we can't change ourselves, but he can change us. There's been a lot of people that I've known who had a rotten attitude or a rotten situation and find Christ. And the first thing you know, they're no longer not a rotten attitude or not in realization. They have been moved by the power of the Holy Spirit and they become something positive. There was a, friend, a young man that moved into our... Our area, years ago in Healdsburg, and I swear that was the ugliest man I've ever seen in my life. I mean, th there's a lot of homely people. I fit in that, I suppose. But this man was just downright ugly. But there's something happened of Jack Hickey was his name. Jack Hickey. Wow, boy, that, <laughs> that's a long time back. That's a long time back. But something happened. The more Jack hung around, the more I knew Jack, I began to find out that even though his countenance on the outside was ugly, he had a beautiful countenance inside. And it wasn't very long that I stopped noticing how ugly Jack was and noticed how handsome he was because of the spirit that's coming out of him. Now, I know some people that are very beautiful and they think they're beautiful and it's not very long till they're ugly. All their countenance didn't change as far as the structural effects, but it's what's in that's coming out. We need to be careful what we have within us in order to make sure that what we have within us is the right thing to come out. Because if it's in us, because Yeshua said, from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, if it's in us, it will come out. I declare to people to be real careful of the words that you get in the habit of saying. 
You may get in a habit of, of kind of using a, a slurry or a, a slang word, and if you use it often enough, and if you aren't careful, it'll jump out when it shouldn't. Why? Because it's in there. If we've got that stuff in, let's get rid of it. And how do you get rid of it? Very simple. You ask the Lord to take care of it. Hallelujah. And He will, if you're willing to let Him work with you. So words. Don't be a part of a stingy person. Because of that stingy person, you'll say, go ahead and eat. This is what Proverbs said, what uh, Solomon said. But he don't really want you to eat it because he's greedy. He wants to hang on to it. And greedy, as we looked in the definition, is also part of idol. He isn't willing to share. Well, we need to be willing to share everything that we have because who gave it to us? The Father. You might say, well, I worked for that. Yes, you probably did. But who gave you the energy to work? Who gave you the mentality? That you would be able to obtain what you're working for. I, I look at a lot of college students, and they've they've worked hard to get their their degree, their degree, and, and they've, they've they've earned that. But if they aren't careful, that degree can become a hand a hindrance to them, and and, and become uh, they're setting themselves apart because they think they're a little bit better. We are what we think, and a thought is words that haven't yet been spoken. Let me say that again. The thoughts that you have in your mind are words that haven't yet been spoken. And you need, we need to be cautious because if we keep it in our mind long enough, it is going to become a word and it's going to come out and it may be offensive. And if it isn't offensive to, to, to a person, it may be offensive to the Lord. So we need to be cautious about our thoughts. Satan can put a thought in my mind, but I don't have to entertain it. I don't have to let that word sit there, or that thought sit there, and germinate and grow until it becomes a word that I'm speaking. Because as long as Satan puts a thought in my mind, and I say, uh-uh, in the name of Yeshua, and Holy Ghost, get rid of that, it's done, and it's not going to come out at the wrong time. But we do that with a lot of things, and we don't recognize that our thoughts are eventually going to become a word. Now that I want to look, I told you we're going to begin to look at some situations of words, our words, and how they work on both sides of the fence. In Numbers chapter 13, now I'm going to read this, so it'll be on the screen or follow along in your Bible, whichever you prefer. Numbers 13, 26, and 33. Now this is when Moses sent the, the 12 tribes, uh, the spies, into uh, Canaan to spy, spy it out and see what it was. And where we're starting now is when they're coming back. Now they departed, departed the Canaan land, and came back to Moses and Aaron, and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Now this was such an important mission that they were spent, uh, sent on. It wasn't just brought back to the leaders, but the whole congregation of Israel. Now, I understand there's a three to four million people that are there. I don't know how they got the word out, but there was a way that they got the word out. But all of the congregation of the people came in, and they gave their report, and not only the report, they brought back some grapes with them. Now, I have never seen a, a, a bunch of grapes this big, but it was so large, we'll read that in a bit, that it was so large that it put it on a pole and two men brought it back. Now, that's some pretty good-sized fruit. Uh, those grapes must have been the size of an apple. But they were huge. And they brought back the report. Verse 27. And they told him, they told Moses and the congregation, and said, We went to the land where you sent us, 
It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit, the big gold grapevines. Here we go. Verse 28. Nevertheless. That is a word you need to get out of your vocabulary. God is so good, but nevertheless. I love you, but nevertheless. We're doing fine, but nevertheless. We aren't doing fine if we've got to put a nevertheless in there. We're not going to say I love you if you've got to put nevertheless. I've had people say I love you, and while they're putting their arm around you, they've got a knife come back and stick you in the back. And that always happens with your family, your friends. It doesn't happen with an enemy because you, you watch your enemies. But your friends, you don't. Anyway, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And here comes another one. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites, Amalekites dwelled in the land of the south the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwelt in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwelt by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Verse my little buddy in there. Well, no, no, that was not my little buddy in there. Then Caleb. I'm going to let you get that fixed because I want people to hear what this is different. Okay, here we go. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb and Joshua. Ten guys said we can't do it. You might listen to ten guys, but sometimes it's a whole lot better to listen to the one or two. Because the one or two may be the ones that's got the right answer. That's exactly what happened here. We are well able to go and overcome it. But the men who had gone with them said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. What did Jesus say? Make the tree bad or make the tree good. They brought back a bad report. Now we're going to see what happens to a bad report. We are not able to take the land that we spied out saying, The land from which we gone, have gone as, as spies, as a land that is, devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it were men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Enoch, uh, came from the uh, giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. How did they know what kind of thought that the people saw them because they were spies they were trying to go through that and did get to go through there without being uh, detected. So how do they know what these people thought about them? They were other people thought about them because what they thought about themselves. This is why it's so important, parents, grandparents. Now, maybe, maybe um, um, the, your kids or other kids have not given your grandkids or great-grandkids a good report. But as grandparents, we can do the same thing. We can give them. We can build them up. You know, I don't know sometimes the parents have the, the responsibility of, of trying to make everything work and the responsibility of all that. But we can take a child that's been whacked down and we can build them up. We can restore that. We can give them that unction. We can do that. And this is what we need to do. So we need to change the idea that's taking place. They're like a grasshopper. Now, a giant's probably between nine and nine feet, nine and a half feet. They're, they're, they were huge men. But they're not big as God. 
They were great warriors, but they're not as great as warriors as God's warriors. We'll look at this a little bit later. How about David? He was just a boy. And yet he was able to go and destroy one of the giants. Why? Because he believed in himself. He believed in the power of God that was within him. He had seen what God could do, and therefore he wasn't worried about that big guy up there. Well, here's the same thing. We've got two men coming back and saying, yes, they're giants. And yes, it's a tough place to do, but we can do it. Now, why did they say that? You see, they'd already come through the wilderness. They were still in the wilderness, but they'd seen the Red Sea. They saw the deliverance. of. They saw the hand of God move, and they knew that God's with them, and he was because God promised them the land. They could go in and partake of it because God said so. But you've got a group over here saying we can't, and we've got a small group over here saying we can you know, it's amazing to me, not, not really, is it? But Jesus chose 12 men. And from these 12 men, he uh, put enough power and faith in them, teaching in them, that they brought his doctrine to where you and are today, over 2,000 years ago. These 12 men did it. it don't have, you don't have to have huge crowds. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I have a sermon I preached uh, a few years ago when we came back from Israel. The power of one. And the Lord has been kind of stirring me. We may bring that one back and preach it again. I don't usually preach too many messages the second time to the congregation. You, you always need something fresh. But that this one here might very well be time to bring this back out and preach the power of one, the power that one person has with God. What does the Bible say? One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand to flight. What can fourteen? What can twenty do? The, the, the numerical goes way up there. But the difference is we have to do it in the Spirit of God. We have to move in the presence of God. Joshua and Caleb knew that the power and the authority of God would take the land and the giants and all of the things there, they could do it. Brothers and sisters, you may have a giant in your way. You may be looking at a very monstrosity situation to take care of, but I got great news for you. You and God are more of a, you and God are a majority, and you can whip any situation that comes your way with the power of God in your life if you will say the things that God says, not the things that the world says. I don't care what the world said. The world, is, the doctors would have had Rose dead four or five years ago if we'd have listened to them. Thank God she's not dead. Hallelujah. Trinity would still be in a wheelchair if we didn't listen to the things of God instead of the things of man. We need to listen sometimes to the minority, the smaller group that are hearing from God. God said, we, we whipped them before, and Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it again. They understood the fact that they were uh, defeated in, as far as man size is concerned, but they also knew that God could do it. What does a doubter say? Nevertheless, it's something wrong. The people are strong. We give the devil way too much power and we give the devil way too much authority that we don't need to give him. Oh, he is an opponent. Yes, he is. But he is a defeated opponent. You and I have more power of God in us than Satan's God if we will go in the power of the Lord. All things are possible to him who love God. Satan is not a, a, a great uh, uh, ob obstacle to us if we stay in the spirit. It isn't. But when we begin to look at things that Satan does, and we, we, we hear all of these things, then we begin to get Satan way up here and God down here. No, it's the other way around. God is way up here and Satan's down here. He is already defeated. He even knows the destination that he has. 
He knows that the day is coming when he's going to be put in the lake of fire, which is the second death, and that's exactly where he's going. He knows his, uh, his destination because he's defeated. But we make him so big, and we say, well, nevertheless, I can't defeat Satan. Maybe you can't. But God in you can. Hallelujah. Don't try to go against the devil by yourself. Don't try to go against him. He, he will whip you. If you go in your own little two cent words and you go in there thinking that you're something, look out because you're going to come out of there a beat up. But if you go there under the power and the authority of God, regardless of how long you serve the God, you can defeat anything that Satan is trying to do. Why? Because God in you is greater than anything that the devil has. But they said, nevertheless, the people are strong. The cities that we want to take are fortified. That we, we, can't, we can't tear down the walls. And they got the people from Amalekite. These are the big, strong people. And then he said, the whole place is surrounded by all of the, I call them the ites, the Canaanites and Sodomites and all of the other ites. The whole place is surrounded by the ites. But God what? God took care of them. See, we have to get in the position that we believe what God says. This is a problem with most Christians and most churches today, including this one, that we haven't come to the point yet to believe what God says. We look at the Bible, we look at what the Lord is saying, and then we say, well, yes, but, or nevertheless, uh, uh, well, mm, mm, no, we don't need to say any of these things. God is there. God will take care of it. He is there. Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it. But the doubters said that they can't. Now, the doubters are usually always a lot more than the ones who are standing for the truth. Just kind of stick that in the back of your mind. Did not Jesus say broad is the way and narrow and straight is the way? So no, a narrow straight way you can't get near as many people as you get on the broad way. That doesn't mean that heaven is going to be quiet. There's only going to be 15 there. No, no, no. You know, I, I have an uncle that's Jehovah's Witness. And, you know, they believe that they're the only ones that's going to go to heaven. And they even talk about the 144,000. And I asked my uncle, well, Uncle Edgar said, no, if you only believe it's 144,000, there's, there's that many people of your, or your, your, your belief already passed away. Where, where's that going to leave you? And he couldn't answer. Well, I'm glad that it doesn't matter if there's 144,000 because there's going to be a whole lot more than that. Hallelujah. I'm going to be there. But the doubters are the ones that cannot comprehend and receive the true word of God. We need to stop saying, we're little, we're poor, we're this, we're that. No, we're not. I don't understand, but right now we're exactly the size that God wants us. He will be able to build this with the, and I don't know, I'm still, I'm searching. Believe you me, I'm searching God. I'm in God's face trying to find out what to do. I want to know what we can do. Because my God doesn't want us talking negative talk. He doesn't want us saying the therefores or almost or I hope so's. Grasshoppers in our own sight. Are we grasshoppers? Are we just a little, little bitty bug hopping around when it comes to Satan? I don't think so. The outcome of this negative conversation and the, by the ten and the two that came back that had the right report, in the end, in the end time, 
God said to Moses, well, all these people are bellyaching and complaining and all this, uh, nevertheless, and we can't, we can't, we can't. We're going to take care of that. The only one, is, including Moses, the only one that's going to go into the Canaan land is Joshua and Caleb and everybody 20 years and down. So all of the gripers and complainers didn't get to go in the Canaan's land. And when they went in, they went in and won it. Now let's look at another concept of different words and see another thing. 2 Kings chapter 5, 7 through 14. This is the story of a man called Naaman. 2 Kings 5, 7. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I Yahweh to kill and make alive? This, that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of Yahweh, heard that the king had torn his clothes, then he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. <coughs> Excuse me. Now there's a difference right there, isn't there? Here is a king that's scared. The reason he's scared is because the other king who sent him is a bigger, bigger armies and bigger kings. So now why did he send this man to create a quarrel for me? He knows if I can't cure his man, then we're going to be raided and we're going to be killed. We're going to lose the war. We're going to lose all these things. This was the thought of the king. Remember thoughts or words that not spoken. He actually said this. But let's listen to the word of the man of God. Hey, king, don't worry. Why in the world did you tear your clothes? You tore your royal clothes. Shame on you. Well, don't worry about that. Send him to me and we'll let him know that there is a, a prophet, a man of God in Israel. Slightly different story, huh? Afraid. And one said, no, I don't, don't send him. I just send him to me. Let me take care of it. Okay, verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent his message to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, here's the problem. I said to myself, we've got to figure it out. I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord of his Yahweh and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the, are, are not the, are not the Abnath and the Parpah, Fair Par, the rivers in Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? And his servant came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? And how much more than when he said to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of Yahweh, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Our argument began. Now let's look at the, the two contacts. The king didn't want anything to do with it because he was afraid of the consequences. The man of God said, bring him on. Bring him on. We're going to show you that God is here. You know, I believe sometimes God kind of likes for us to say things that, that kind of have to show up. You know the reason I never question about praying for anybody? Wheelchair, cancer, whatever it might be. God didn't tell me to heal them. I can't heal them. But he told me to pray for them. To heal them. He didn't tell me to pray for them, to be honest with you. Heal them. Well, 
I'm not the healer, but he is, but the healer's in me. So we can move through this and see it done. But he said, bring him to me. And then when Naaman comes, here he comes and all of his horses. As a matter of fact, if you read earlier in, in Kings, you will find out that he came with a great deal of money, a great deal of jewels, clothing, and everything to give to the individual that healed him. You see, we get confused, don't we? He's going to think that the prophet healed him when the, all the prophet was, was the instrument and God did the healing. We, we're the same way. We need One of the reasons, and, and I, I cautiously say this, but that's one of the reasons a lot of the big time preachers and, and things on television and other areas, the reason they aren't doing what they used to do is because they started taking the glory for it instead of giving the glory to God who did the work. And when you start taking the glory for God, believe me, he will pull his hand back. He, he will leave it there for a while, but he will pull his hand back. And then you wind up with, with the egg on your face because you can't do it any longer. Why? Because you've taken God's place. Well, we can't do that. And, and, and Elisha knew that it was God was in him that was going to do it. He had complete confidence that if this man came to him, he would do it. And then he didn't even go out and talk to him. Now, isn't that a slap in the face of your big shot? He sent his servant and told the servant what to say. Are we not servants? I wonder how many times God is trying to send us out to Naaman's and is telling us what to say, but we're afraid and won't go out. You know, God does need humans. He created us. His spirit, his power works through us. His glory is within us. And yet he wants to use us to get his glory done. He wants to work through us as the instruments to him. And Naaman came with the horses and all the great things and, and expecting. He, see, he said what he said. I got it all figured out. Anytime you think you got it figured out, just be sure it's not going to work that way. Because God's not going to follow your plans. He's going to follow his. If he followed my plans, the house would be full. truth but he said he's the one that'll do it i don't know why he told us to get this place finished quick i don't know maybe it's because of what we're doing we've got two other churches using this building i don't know maybe god told us to get ready for other two other churches to have a place to go i don't know but he told us to get it on done quickly and we busted our tails and got it done quickly my responsibility is to do what he said to do that's my responsibility Naaman had it figured out, and since it didn't work the way he figured, had it figured out, he got mad. Hold on now. How many Christians have got it all figured out? You know exactly how God is going to do, how he's going to save your kids. Your kids aren't saved, and you've got to figure out how he's going to save them. You got to figure out how he's going to heal your body. You got to figure out how he's going to do all these things. And then when he doesn't, what do you do? You get mad. Well, bless God, this is how I thought it was going to be. Well, if this is the way it is, I'm out of here. Well, that's what Naaman said. But fortunately for Naaman, he had a servant that had a heart that understood a few things. And he said, Naaman. Father, Master, Naaman. 
if he would have asked you to give all of the gold and silver and all the clothes that you brought and go back and load up again and then come back and do it, then he would heal you. Now, this isn't what he said. This is my interpretation of this. If he said hard things, you didn't. If he tells you to go and, and, and fill up all of it and bring it, you would have done it, wouldn't you? He said, well, yeah. If he told you to go out there and, 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 and because you're a warrior, go out and kill ten, ten of my enemies, would you have done it? Well, yeah. Well, why not do the easy thing that he said? Because the river Jordan's dirty. And it is. Looks muddy all the time. The waters where this Naaman came from was clean. He said, well, let me just go and wash in the clean. No, you've got to wash in the one Yeshua said to wash in. And what did Naaman do? He finally conceded, give in, went to the river Jordan, and he dipped once, and he come up a lever. He dipped twice, and he come up a lever. But on the seventh time that he dipped, he come up clean. And the Bible said, here in 14, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Why? Because the word of the prophet came from God. And when you follow the word of God that comes through a prophet or through the word and you know it's God that's doing it, it will happen. It didn't happen on the sixth dip. See, now Naaman perhaps before would have been said, well, I'm so disgusted. It didn't happen on six times. Well, I'm quitting. What does the Bible say? And I, boy, I, I, this, this comes in my mind a lot. We will reap a harvest if we don't. Now, this is the Oki translation. If we don't quit. We'll reap that harvest. It might be just around the corn, corner. It may be just almost here. But if we throw up our hands and say, I'm done. I'm quit. I'm gone. We'll never see the harvest. Hmm. Because I don't know what's the corner. I don't know how far it is. I don't know how far it is around it. My responsibility is do everything I can hear God say to do and do it. And I do my best to do that. Do I do it perfectly? Absolutely not. But I do the best I can to listen and hear the voice of God. I do the best I can to listen and hear the voice of God on the sermons that I preach. Now, yeah, I've, I've been doing this long enough. If I wanted to put a sermon together for a particular thought, I know how to do it. But that would be from Earl and you wouldn't get nothing out of it. But if it comes from God and if you will hear it, you can receive something from it. It has nothing to do with the messenger. It has to do with the message that's coming from the messenger. We don't have this in our notes today, but if you read the rest of the scripture, Naaman's helper, Naaman's worker, saw that, not Naaman, Elisha's helper and worker saw that Elisha didn't take anything. And he ran after them after the, after the man was healed. He ran after him. Oh, the master's changed his mind. No, 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 the master didn't change his mind. You're a liar and a thief when you're trying to get something for yourself. What happened in the day of Pentecost, not on the day of, in, in the church, early church? The disciples were healing people and doing great miracles. And, and, and one, of the, one of the religious leaders came by and said, hey, how much is it going to cost me to get that? Let me buy that. And he said, oh, you can't buy this. We can't buy the voice of God. And if anybody tells you, if you'll send me $100, I'll give you a word of God. Keep your $100. Amen. 
because you ain't going to get no word from You may get a word, but it will not be from God. God doesn't sell his words. Oh, man, where did that come from? Don't do it because you're not going to get anything. But when the man or woman of God has a word for you and you know that man or woman is a man or woman from God. That's why the Bible says know those who labor among you. Pay attention to that word that you've been given. Oh, but they're not a prophet. I read my Bible and said everybody can prophesy. What do you mean they're not a prophet? They're an individual who is bringing you a word from God. Listen to it. Pay attention to it. Try it if you want to, but listen to it. And this servant of Elisha's went, and he got the clothing, he got the money, and he hid it, and Elijah, being the man of God, saw what took place. And then he lied, said, oh, I didn't go nowhere. You say, don't, don't, don't play with God's favor. Don't play with the things of God. Don't take them lightly. Don't mistreat them. I read my scripture, and it said that there's only one sin that will be unforgiven. We can curse God, we can curse Christ, but when we curse the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, we're done for. Be careful. There's been lots of conversations about what is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? And we, that conversation will probably go until we get there. It doesn't matter that we really understand it, but just don't do it. Don't even come close to it. Have you ever noticed that in the, in the swearing of a, you know, if you use, I wasn't a sailor like Brother Don. He may not have done that way, but I, I sure cussed like a sailor. And I even, you, do, you, do you know why they say that? Do sailors cuss a lot? Well, I guess so. Uh, I, I, but I was never a sailor. I didn't really know why they said that, but that's, that's the saying. Cuss like a sailor. But it's always using God's name and Jesus' name. There is no curse word using Holy Ghost. Amazing. But we Christians can blaspheme against the Holy Ghost. We can offend the Holy Ghost. It's dangerous territory. He lied. And what happened to him? He wound up getting the leprosy that the other man had. If you play around with this, let me, just, let me go ahead with this, then I'll, I will close. Be careful with who you allow to lay hands and pray over you. Because whatever spirit that is in that individual, there's a good chance that it's going to get on you. Now, if it's a good spirit, hallelujah, take all you can get. There was a time when we down on Blackstone and McKinley, I was sick. I was bad shape. On a Sunday morning, I don't remember, someone said, let's pray for a pastor. And Sister Ivy and Rose and some other people came around. And I was, my back was to the congregation. And there was a woman that walked up behind me. And I felt a demonic spirit in that woman. And I told Rose and Sister Ivy, don't let her touch me. You remember? Man, I was, I was sending the, the big dogs because they got a hold of her and got her out of there. 
That woman did not have anything but God, and I didn't want anything that she had. I did not want her spirit at all. Be careful. Be careful. Say, oh, pastor, you're trying to scare you. No, I'm not trying to scare you. Know those who labor among you. Know them. There's, there's, there's a few people that when I get sick or something's really going down, that I call those individuals, and some of them, they're not even here in the state. Why? Because I know they know how to get a hold of God. Their spirit is true. Their spirit is proven. Their life is proven. Those are the ones you can hear and listen to what they say because they're hearing the words of the Holy Ghost coming from the throne room and they're planting that within us. Hear the word. Here is two issues, two different sides. The ten spies and Naaman himself. I'm out of here. I can't believe of my authority and who I am and how long and how far I came that this prophet is not even going to come out and address me. Well, thank God he had a servant that knew him a little bit better and figured out a way to get him healed anyway. You may not have a servant like that if you tromp, stomp out because you're mad about what the Holy Ghost is doing. You may die in your stupor. Words. By my words, by your words, Jesus said, not Paul, not Peter, Jesus said, by our words, we are justified or we are condemned. I had rather err on the side of being too positive walking in too much quote-unquote faith, declaring too much power of God than declaring not enough. And my words condemning me. We need to be cautious, brothers and sisters. But here the beautiful part is, when we are hearing and speaking God's word, we are heading in the right direction. Words. Father, in the mighty name of Yeshua, we come before you right now, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you are alive. That you speak to us, and you speak to us in words. Sometimes they're on print. Sometimes they're audible. Sometimes it's just the spirit within us, and we know that it's you're speaking to us because we're hearing it from our inner heart, our inner ears and not our outer ears. We know it's your spirit. But we know you're speaking to us in words. And for every positive word, there is a negative. For every positive person, there is someone there to try to steal the positive. Like the ten tribe, the ten spies, trying to steal the positive of Joshua and Caleb. Like the enemy that was trying to steal from Naaman. How dare this man, who is of nothing, not come out and approach me. Father, help us not to allow the enemy come in and steal our words.
Let our words be true. And let our words come from you. In the mighty name of Yeshua.